Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Hey, friends, welcome back to another issue of Performance Matters Podcast. Bob Mosier here. I'm one of your co-hosts throughout these sessions. We are into our mid-60s in these recordings, and we are honored this time around to have a friend and a colleague who's journeyed into this world for a bit, Jill Bush with us. And Jill, I want to say hello and give a little bit on your journey and your discipline. I don't do the introductions and bios and things and read those things. Much rather have us get into the story and have you tell uh, how you got here and, and how this resonated so strongly with you as you began this journey. Give us some background. Absolutely. Well, it, it's hard to say out loud, but I've been in this learning and development space for more than 25 years. <laughs> um, but throughout that whole time, software training has been a constant. I mean, mm. I'm all things L&D and all, all different types of content and different spaces, but that software piece has always been along with me on my journey. I seem to gravitate to it. And I think really my when I think about how did I start going down this path of workflow learning? It's really interesting. You recently had a post you did on LinkedIn about making learning available in the workflow versus <laughs> it being there while you're doing the work. And that really hit home for me connecting to my journey, because when I look back at all the different things I've been doing in different companies, I think about trying to, I did a ton of software training and really trying to make it more effective. And what I was seeing was, wow, I'm doing all these hours in the classroom and you know, they're still struggling after. So then in good L and D form, right. We're making all sorts of performance support um, for after it's job aids, it's videos, it's all these things, but I wasn't seeing people really using it. And so you're kind of getting this mid-level of effectiveness. And I knew that I needed to bring that performance support had to be more effective in some way. It had to be closer to when they needed it. Mm. And I, I think about uh, maybe like 2005, I had built an e-learning to teach a piece of software that my company made. And I got it put on the same, no, I'm dating myself, but the same CD as the, <laughs> as the software. And I thought, wow, I'm giving it to them right when they're downloading their software. Like this is perfect right in their moment. And I don't know, you know, it was convenient, but I don't know how effective it was. And then I moved around in my career a bit. And at one point I led a team of technical writers and they mm. were doing the online help that lives in yep. your software system. And yep. I kept pushing them like, can't you make that more contextual? Couldn't we add some learning elements right in the system through this tool? I was definitely feeling I was making an effort there. Then when I got to uh, Kohl's, I worked for Kohl's department stores for eight years. We were doing a software project and I thought we came up with the most brilliant idea. We did performance support very much in the style of YouTube videos. And we created this cool little, we packaged it like a YouTube channel And even better, we got the vendor to let us put it on the dashboard of the software. And I thought, Mm. now it's in there. It's in the software. How much closer can I get? I thought it was going to be fantastic. And guess what? It wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't. (laughs) They weren't really using it. And what am I doing wrong? So it was really, you know, a little bit after that, maybe 2015, 2016, when I came to um, the Macy Center to your conference around the five moments of need. And that was the epiphany for me of 
somebody put some science behind this <laughs> gut instinct that, that I've had and really articulated what it meant. And I was like, ah, oh, this is, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. And I just remember at the end of that conference, you guys showed us some tools and I started seeing uh, digital adoption platforms. And that's mm. what was like the aha moment in that software space for me of like, oh, that is not in that's the while. Mm -hmm. And so I came back to Coles all fired up and talked him into putting a tool like that into Workday. Um, and that was a four-year project. It went over very well. And we saw the results we hoped to see in terms of reducing support calls. We eliminated in-person training around that system. We, so we saw some good ROI, but we got adoption and people were, yeah. were using it. And that was so incredible. So coming here uh, almost three years ago, I came to Manpower Group in the midst of a massive software implementation, huge project. I came in right at, on the early phase, so good timing. And we did the same for that project. And I brought a few of my designer friends over with me and, and we built this. And it's been a, a really cool journey. Journey. I will tell you though, I work for a staffing organization. We value face-to-face -face interaction. We sure. interview people, right? That's what we do. So as an organization, they, I'm coming in with my, let's learn about your learning styles and they valued face-to-face. -face. And so me coming in saying, I think we can eliminate face-to-face -face here and we can do that. They were like, I don't know, but I came in in the end of 2019 and 2020 brought us a pandemic. Yep. And uh, my organization, like many, had to really change the way we work. And we had to start building those relationships and working together and learning together virtually. And so mm. it gave a little push, I think, in the right direction for us. If there was yep. a gift that came out of that whole thing in the L&D space, maybe that was it. But it really came at the right time that we had a solution to support people a distributed model, right? People in, in branches, they were in physical branches all over North America. Instead of tapping their neighbor for help, they had something available to them. So it, it went well with a lot of labor of love. I will tell you there was a lot of yep, push, yep. but we've gone global with it. It's taken, our strategies taken off in our other regions. So mm. uh, we've got a good, I don't know, maybe seven regions now up and live with it. And it's starting to make its way into some other applications, which is just super exciting and great to see, but that that's kind of been the niche and the journey and why we're talking today, probably. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And you've, and, and these stories have been documented. You've, you've been across a number of organizations and done some wonderful projects there. I want to pivot on challenges a bit because that's kind of where you were going, right? It, it's, it's so many who listen to this podcast hear success stories like yourself. It hasn't always been a, a smooth sailing, Right. I, I think one of the things that met me right in the face was that as, as intuitive as this feels, and even as, and the same for those that I've tr I tried to pitch it to, so to speak, right? When the realities hit in of doing it, the swimming upstream against what we have historically taught those we serve that training mm -hmm. means is hard. It's a hard change for us. It's a hard change for our teams, hard change for the organization that we're trying to get it into. Can, can you go a bit deeper, my friend, into mm -hmm. across these organizations? That what are the challenges that you face with your colleagues and organizations, and how did you help them, or what helped the shift towards more of a moment of need approach? Yeah, that's oh man, I feel like I could talk about that for a day. Um, <laughs> there's so much there, so much good stuff and good learnings, but I think it, the challenge is on a, a few different fronts, right? Like talking your organization into making this investment, because let's, let's be real, sure. you're applying technology, there's, 
there's a cost to it. The business wants to hear what's the ROI, what what are we going to get out of it from a business standpoint. But changing a learning culture mm. is, I think, to me, was a bigger challenge than that. Yes, there's the challenge of the making the business case. And I, I could talk about that forever. But I think at the heart of it, it was, how do we change our learning culture? And yep. I think you were hitting on it in that, especially in the U.S., right, we've conditioned people to learn in a classroom. That, that's the way we all grew up. And interestingly, over the years, I've done different surveys of our learners to understand their learning preferences. And when we ask questions about how they learn at home, when and we give them a scenario <laughs> sure, like, right. you just bought a piece of furniture from Ikea, how are you going to figure out how to put it together? They immediately say, oh, well, I Google it, or I jump on YouTube, I, get, I grab my phone and I figure it out, or I dive in and start trying to fix it. And when I get stuck, then I ask for help, right? Which yep. is guess what? That's how we learn at work too. But when you ask those same questions about how would you prefer learning at work, they always go back to a very traditional classroom model. Um, so yeah, it's almost like you're shortchanging them if they don't get you know herded through a classroom, right? So yeah. it's a big deal. I almost feel like you're taking something away, I think, to, to say, we're going to do this differently. Dive in and we'll help you when as you're going. So I would say, I, I've said it many times, It's there's a big challenge around uh, leading the horse to water, but I think the way you get it is not just leading them there, but actually helping dip their face in a little yeah, bit agreed. Um, and making them use it, right? Taking the mystery away, because I think it's a change and we're, we're humans, we're going to resist change. And so we have to see and feel and touch it that, okay, it does work. It's not scary. And, oh, this is a different way, but it works um, and building that trust. So I would say as we moved through getting past getting the organization to sign on and, and fund it. Sure, <laughs> and then yeah. and then it's a lot about taking a partner early with your IT friends so that you can have them help you get it up and running. Then it's about how do you get through that challenge of that the learner having to change the way they learn. It was really about very intentionally creating opportunities that mm. they got to touch and use the new way of of learning and get in the system. So little things like you know, building a champion network or having them participate in UAT and putting the learning elements into the testing cycle, just like you're testing the software because you're forcing the interaction and then it's not so scary and you've got some advocates under your belt and you, you kind of keep spreading it that way. But I think that's probably the biggest challenge is changing the way an organization looks at learning. And, you know, at least here at Manpower Group, this is, as far as I know, the first time we've we've really done this on a bigger scale. And so these learners were going through a pandemic. They're going through a brand new, big, scary system. Yeah. And now we're going to shake up how they learn it. So there was a lot of challenges working against us, but um, persistence, I think, is... <laughs> <laughs> is a key and um, having good partners and, and some good executive champions too. Brilliant. We'll get to champions in a moment. I'm going to hold that thought because that's a really great topic to go deeper into. IT, you've done a lot in IT mm. and we get asked quite often about where do you start, Jill? You know, what, what, mm. what are some areas where you, you can eat the elephant one bit at a time, particularly to manage the change that you just talked about. Some projects might be the most opportune from an outcome perspective, but there might be more landmines there from a change management perspective than others. Why did you find IT to be a good space? Why was it such a good fit? And do you see it to be such a good fit for a place to journey into this kind mm. of an approach? Good question. I feel so many, you know, roles in our organizations, they require us, we can't get away from the computer, right? It's going to require us to use software applications. 
it's what we invest in as organizations to make us efficient, to, to help us move with speed. And I think really when we look at modern, more modern learning theory around like connectivism, we're moving away from that idea of rote memorization, yep. right? Um, yep. And we need to just, oh, we need to just know where to get the information. And then if we can go the step further to make it available right in the moment, I think it's appealing to IT from that software application space because it helps you on that bigger initiative to move with speed, right? You bought yep. this big fancy piece of software because you want to be able to do work faster, better, smarter, whatever. So you need people to ramp up quickly to it so that that's appealing and they need to know what they need to know. And if they don't have that information, they're going to call someone, they're going to create a ticket. They're sure. going <laughs> to look for more resources or training. So the, the more we meet them in their moment when they need it. IT loves the work we've done. I can tell you that because we've made their life easier. And in terms of how do you make the case for your business, that's one avenue for sure yeah. is that you're alleviating some of that support. But from the learner perspective, you're also relieving their anxiety too, mm. right? It's it's funny to me, like you and a company will invest in a big new system and everybody's complaining about the old one, right? We hate the old one. So we're glad you're getting, finally, we're getting a new one, but we're also terrified, right? The yep. devil we know is more comfortable than, than going to this new thing. So the more we can ease that transition and, and give those learners comfort that we've got you, we're going to support you when, when you need it and make it easy. And no, you don't have to memorize a, a thousand steps yeah. here. We're going to bring it to you right when you need it. It's very beneficial. So I think that IT space makes a lot of sense. I think like any learning modality, there's a time and place, right? For something like a, a digital adoption platform. I think there's a couple of really strong use cases in I thought Workday was a good example because if you have tasks that are complex or infrequent, mm. that's a great place, right? How many times yep. as, a, as a manager are you giving someone a pay increase off cycle, right? That's sure. a, maybe a, every other year you have something like that happen. So you're not going to remember the 10 steps it takes in the system to do that. That's a perfect application. And then I think, you know, at Manpower Group, it's been a strong application in that software space because this is our primary application for mm. an entry-level role for us. It's for our recruiters and we have a huge population of them. And these are our people that are advancing and moving into other areas of the organization. So there's a significant rotation yeah. of them coming. They're yeah. starting, we have recruiters starting every week. So it makes mm. a lot of sense. We want to get them going and get them in the system and get them producing right quickly and make it painless. So I think that's why it's appealing in that software space. And it's so prolific. Every job, including like on a retail floor, involves IT. Our, our local Lowe's has a handheld in the hand of every, mm -hmm. every person in, in, in the garden <laughs> department, let alone Absolutely. the old day, right? So point of need and point of sale and, and workflow embedded things, not just to learn IT per se, but also the fact that IT helps them do their job. And it's so pervasive that I think that level of, of connection is so powerful. How do you think then this supports the formal side. You know, sometimes we get bashed, Con and I, for being, uh, or, or being perceived as formal learning haters. Yes. You know, or, or, and, 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 and <laughs> I know if, what you mean. <laughs> and, you know, and, and you probably live this. And in the five moments of need, two of them are frankly highly formal. So it's never been that case. It's more of a balance for mm -hmm. us. How does this save the day, as sometimes we've positioned it, I think, for the formal side of instruction, in your opinion? I love that question. I can relate because I think I'm perceived as this person that wants to digitize the world versus right, you know, sure. we can't have one more job aid or a classroom session ever. And that's not at all. I mean, there's a time and a place 
for every type of learning. And, and, you know, we're smart enough to know that um, we do have to appeal to multiple learning styles and we have to provide learning in an elegant way that reaches across a lot of modalities. And sometimes one modality supports another. Just as an example, at Coles, we were able to just right out of the gate, when we put up a new module of Workday, we went right in with the digital concept and we did no classroom training. Hmm. I knew that was not going to fly when I'm here, where I have a culture that values so heavily that interaction. So we still supported this big software launch with some classroom training because honestly, it really supported the change effort. It made sure, people right. feel comfortable that like, I've seen the system, I've touched it, it works. It's, it has all the functionality I need it to. It's going to be okay. But then we use that opportunity in the classroom to show what yes. they had available to support them after, again, easing that anxiety. And I yeah. think in that way, they can work really nicely together. I think this is a, a Jill opinion, I guess, but if you're going to spend time in a classroom, I think the knowledge transfer pieces can come digitally and let people get you. at them their own way. But yep. if I'm going to pull you in a room, I think it should be all about application and practice. Brilliant. And Brilliant. if you're going to put people together, make good use of, of that to give them real life simulation of making your sales pitch of yeah. you know, practicing a, a fierce conversation, whatever it is, but make it valuable in that way. So I, I, I think that. there's a time and a place. Connor wrote an article years ago called how performance support saved the classroom. And his whole position was that for so long, we've used the classroom for things it's not good at. And, mm -hmm. it, and it's taken sometimes in some learner's eyes a bad rap. And this frees it to your point to do remarkable things that if you're going to bring people together, let's do what that does best and let the knowledge transfer or click through in menus or things with IT be done in the tool and teach the tool, right? Teach the fish, not feed them one. Brilliant. Yes. I want to circle back around to stakeholders, my friend, because there are a bunch. You've named a couple, right? And stakeholder <laughs> mm -hmm. management hits people right in the face because it's changed. You've said this a couple of times. This is a change management initiative when you're getting this off the ground. It's not an IT initiative. It may not even be a design initiative to start. You've, you, you're changing hearts and minds here, buying into this new approach. How did you, in your multiple journey, as you've taken this on, what stakeholders did you encounter how did you win them along? Did, was there a strategy and who came first, who came second, you know, that kind of a thing? What was your, what mm -hmm. was your thinking around that side of this journey? Yeah, that's a great question. And in this specifically in that software application space, IT is most definitely a stakeholder. I would also say generally there is a team that's supporting that system. You know, sometimes it's called operations sure. or maybe yep. it's like the project team, but they generally own a, an element of the support of that mm -hmm. system. And then there's your leaders are certainly a stakeholder. They want to see business outcomes and then your learners, right? I think the two that end up getting the most <laughs> right or wrong or indifferent, they get the most of our attention, at least in this space was that support group, sure. um, that operations team, yeah. they care a whole lot about it. And they want to make sure this is just like, it doesn't ma matter the modality. If you're building training for software, no matter how you're doing it, that stakeholder group wants to cover every possible question they've ever yes, gotten they on that system. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to cram as much info into that training as they yep. can, right? Like yep. that's where you're having that conversation of, listen, I can pour into the cup, but at some point it's going to be full and they're just pouring and it's overflow and yep. it's not sinking into the user anymore. So that is a, a an interesting one. They're also a little bit skeptical. And interestingly, they 
worry that I think there's a little job security worry there of sure. like, oh, but yeah. I, I spend a lot of my time supporting these users as well as if I tell them, if they call me and I tell them, or I ask them, have you checked the in-system training for this answer? Like you're trying to redirect and get, you're yep. coaching yep. that group to good change how they support. They get anxious that I'm not doing a, I'm not doing a good job. They're going to feel like I'm passing them off or not really answering their questions. So that we, we spent a significant amount of time with the coaching and, and really working through. Interestingly, this very last launch we did, we've had, we had three of them in a row this year. Wow. Um, the last one we did, the, those support groups came into our headquarters to be there in person for hypercare, right? Cause that's the couple of weeks after is hypercare and they had t-shirts made Basically, it asked, "Are you have you have you tried the the in system training?" Oh, that's essentially one, that's what, awesome. what it was, and we had nothing to do with it. And I was like, "Now that says adoption to me." That's but um, it was really cool, though, that they they got to the place of like, I can focus my attention in other places supporting the system yes. and not having to train someone on the phone. But that's a huge stakeholder group that. I would say in terms of having to win someone over, that's probably we've spent a lot mm. of time there. Mm. IT, it's more about get to them early, help them understand the work you're going to need out of them because they're not planning for it. Nope. They are planning to launch a big, massive piece of they software are. and you're just one more thing yep. that you're adding on to it. So when you say, well, I'm going to need you to do this install and add this extension that they're not always thrilled at first. So the earlier you can get in there and connect them to the right resources with your vendor and have them talk their technical talk and figure it out, the better Leaders, like I said, I think that's a lot about making your business case and what is the ROI. And then your learners, like we talked about, it's really just turning that ship a little bit to shift their way they get their information and how they learn. I love ROI coming up so much. It's funny, you know, my first 20 years of my life till I stumbled into this and you and I met a few years back, (laughs) ROI has been in my vocabulary for, I'm going on my 40th year at this. And the first 20 were highly frustrating for me because I understood the concept. And I knew what the people who were paying me wanted out of that, mm. but I couldn't, couldn't connect the dots. You know, I couldn't the defensible manner say that you, because you sat with me for four hours or three days or whatever, you know, three months later, you were doing it well. This whole in the moment, you know, one click away, analytics around all that and so on. It has brought ROI, something L&D has chased forever, in some cases taken on the chin around Mm-hmm. to a way we can finally defend, right? And it, I think that's a big, such a big thing for them to win them over. So let's shift to my favorite question. So with all that, right, that, that should sound rosy. Everyone who listens to this should go, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. <laughs> Sign but, me up, yeah. But yet, we, but yet, Jill, we don't. You knew me years ago when Con and I first taught this workshop. We've touched thousands since, done many more of those. Um, I read the, the research report coming out every year of trends for this year in L&D and stuff. And darn it, we're in half the time. This discussion is not on the radar. If it is, it's eighth, ninth, tenth on the list. And I'm not and I'm, I'm trying to be careful here not to come across as it's just my bias or, or, or um, mm-hmm. subjective bias. You and I both can objectively defend this mm-hmm. and, and, and seeing the ROI and things that it do. Why do you feel consistently our industry lags? in adoption and understanding of this thing. It's been around forever, yet you see it so rarely, if at all, in a L&D's toolkit or portfolio. Right. I think where you started with this challenge of showing ROI, I think it is intimidating to mm. l and I think we want 
cause is this the right word causation instead yep. of like correlation yep i have a lot i have a lot of opinion and thought about that but I, I agree this does make it a little easier i mean we we get really great analytics out of the dap tool yeah and then and then guess what the business cares a whole lot about that big expensive piece of software they just implemented. So they're pulling data to understand who are our good users, who's using it right, what's, you know, so it's it's working with that analytics team to be able to say, now let's put the two together and get that correlation space. I, I guess, why isn't it being used? I think if it was easy, everyone would do it. It's the easy <laughs> answer there. That's right? a great point. Um, because great I, think, point. I think what's made our teams successful is a lot of tenacity, um, mm. a lot of faith in, I just felt so much conviction that this was the right thing to do. And it came out of that journey. It came out of how many times do I need to hit a wall before I try something different, right? Yeah. Um, and I kept getting closer and getting closer. And then, you know, I was like, I'm, I was so convinced going in that this is the solution, but I had to convince a whole lot of other people. And, yeah. and that's, I think where it breaks down is, a lot of times, you know, technology costs money. You have to make a good business case. Yep. You've got to get past that level of, can we make this investment? And then you're on the line for it, right? If you yep. make that investment, you're on the line to show that you can recoup the cost of the investment and then some, right? L&D is in it for the business drivers, right? We're, yep. we, we love learning Should for be. learning's sake, for sure. But like, we're here to support the business. So in addition to recouping our cost on something like that, we've got to show that we move the needle from a business Agreed. goal perspective. So Agreed. there's a lot of work to do that. It's not easy, but it can be done. <laughs> I think that's the trick. It's and we're all racing, right? We've all got a hundred priorities happening at once. Yeah. So to invest the amount of time that it takes to be successful, I'll tell you at Colds, we we had multiple designers and, and I was like darn near full-time leading it. And here it, it, I had someone a hundred percent of their time was building while, you know, and I'm out there fighting the fight, trying to yeah, make sure yeah. we're getting you. heard yeah. and that um, we're getting the support we need from the organization. I got the right leaders helping out. And then it's the measure on the back end. It's, it's a challenge, but it's so worth it. And it's it's really funny because it's one of those things that once the organization gets it and they have their aha moment and they see the value, then it's like this obvious, well, why aren't we using this all over the place? Yeah, like, yeah. And then it's like, it's just natural that that's, of course we're doing that for the next software launch because it worked so well. Like that's why we got acceptance in other regions and it's grown so much at Manpower Group because we made the case, we showed it, but it's not without a little bit of, blood, sweat, and tears, right? Brilliant. So I, yep. I think that's, I think that's the barrier is like, oh, how do I make the time? And how do I, and and maybe I haven't had to do ROI to that level before. It's Correct. a lot about persistence. I just, that's, I just think I took a real big bulldog approach to it. Like I was going to make this work. <laughs> well, you've been such a remarkable leader in this whole thing. And, and the results show that, you know, it's one thing to have a, a team with tenacity and the, and the courage is a whole other thing to have a leader that helps muscle through them. And like you said, put yourself out there, defending your team in the background and doing what you know is right. Let's wrap with us, my friend. This is, you've told such a wonderful story. You've had such a authentic learning journey through this whole thing. Many listening are new. Many listening are married to the other thing, right? They're, they're, <laughs> they haven't gotten the tenacity point yet, or they haven't seen the, re the return yet. They're comfortable. They're anxious. They may feel threatened. There's a whole bunch of things that, that go along with that. What advice would you give them? Looking back when you were them, you know, what, what would you say to somebody who's embarking on this back when you first took that first step? Why is it worth the journey? What advice would you give them and lessons learned to make this successful for them? 
Well, I would guess they've tried a few things already. So if you're, if you're trying, that's what, what it did it for me. I tried lots of ways to do it without going the hard, harder way. Right. And it just wasn't working. And so I think there's a little bit of experience behind that. So if you're mm. newer to it, it might, that might be daunting to, to be able to say, look, I've tried 10 ways to Sunday to, to make this happen. We need to do something different here. I think it's, yeah, the experience and seeing it was, was huge for me, but also from the advice side, I would say, if you're that convicted, get some support, find somebody above you <laughs> who's willing to let you talk in certain meetings and help make the case. And they're going to ask you hard questions. And that's also intimidating. It's probably also a reason people don't do it. It's like, they're going to ask me something that I can't answer, but right. that's okay because those questions will drive you deeper into it to be able to speak to it even better and find some allies. There's a lot of folks I know in my own local area that are newer and trying it. I'm happy to always mentor and be that person. But if you can find someone who's, who's willing to kind of say, Hey, we were here too. And we made it through. And this, you can read case studies all day, but it, there's something about speaking to somebody who's, who's been on the other side of it. And then I would say the other thing that I think about in that space is try something on a smaller scale, even mm. like it doesn't have to be a big fancy app solution as much as like I shared, I, I tried, you know, the YouTube channel thing, I tried embedding it, but maybe, you know, if you can get some success with yep. something in a smaller way, it buys the opportunity to try it in a little bit bigger scale and a bigger scale until you, you get where you're trying to go. I think in general, that's been a, something that's been helpful to me in my career is how do you get, how do you get them to give you funding for this? Sure, right. like you're so, you have to show that you're, you're good at what you do and you're, and most of these folks looking to do this are great at what they do. So show that and use it to go to that next step and the next step and like, well, you've come on this journey with me and we've, we've been doing pretty well. How about taking a leap of faith to the next step until you get where you're trying to go? Brilliant. You know, I, I, every time I get to interview someone like you and we bring champions of this and on this show, they, I always label you as courageous leaders. There's great leadership and then there's courageous leadership and everything you just described takes courage. It takes conviction on your side, but at the same time, I've been personally been convicted to like losing weight <laughs> or going <laughs> or going to the gym, but I, I don't know if the convictions match the outcome, but you, you really have shown that if that believing in it starts it, but staying the course, putting yourself out there, you know, it's so funny. We're in the learning business, but we're so risk averse yeah. to failure. And it, it's amazed me. We know that learning through failure is one of the most powerful lessons life has. Yeah, and, and in our instruction, of... we put people intentionally into failure. Yes. Exactly. But, but, but when it's our industry's turn to take those steps and look at, look at a person challenging us in the eye and go, you know, I don't know. We're going to find that out. I'm going to put, I'm going to put, yeah. I'm going to put my team in our and reputation. And we'll learn from it. And we'll learn and we'll yeah, learn And that's better. really the definition of innovation. And if as an organization, you value innovation, it means we're going to have to try something and guess what? It might not be amazing the first time out, but think of any other learning intervention you've deployed. There's times something doesn't go quite right. So what do you do? You learn from it, you adjust, and it just keeps getting better. And this is no different. It's just, it has a little price tag to it. So it, does. it is it a little does. harder. So it takes that, it takes that courageous step. Well, friend, thanks so much for, for Thank your you journey, so for, for your me. candor and sharing it, for your willingness to help others that are on this journey as well. I admire your work. So appreciate you uh, reconnecting again. And I know people will want to follow up. Is there a way to, that they could reach out to you again that's most comfortable if they have questions? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on, on LinkedIn and shoot me a note. I'm happy to, to connect. 
Thanks, Jill. So appreciate that, my friend. Thanks for being here and so appreciate who you are and all you've done and your willingness to be on the show. Thank you so much. I, I've been a big fan for a lot of years and I, I learned so much from you. So I appreciate the opportunity. Well, likewise, take care. Well, that's it for this episode of the five moments of need performance matter series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.the5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and we'll subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.